It has been said that a picture paints a thousand words. And while that is true, I, I wasn't quite sure pictures of kindness would quite get the job done. So I decided that we'll go with my, my second favorite after pictures are stories. Good stories. Don't you love storytelling? Good storytelling. It has a way of inspiring and challenging and accomplishing all of the things that God needs to accomplish in our life. So I've got some stories as well as some verses to share with you this morning that have to do with this superpower of the beautiful, sweet, mellow word, kindness. First, some stories of kindness personified from our contemporary world. A cable news network story from that awful year, 2020. What started as a random act of kindness from one man paying for the car behind him in a Dairy Queen drive-thru resulted in a record-breaking pay-it-forward chain. There's no question about it. This year has been tough for so many. Some fighting battles we may know nothing about. But at a drive-through in Brainerd, Minnesota, people stepped up in a small way to show one another that they cared. Tina Jensen, the store manager at the Dairy Queen, told CNN a man came by the drive-through window on Thursday and asked if he could pay for his meal as well as the car behind him. Jensen told her cashier, this tends to happen once in a while, but at most it lasts for 15 or 20 cars before it fizzles out. This time, the chain continued for two and a half days with over 900 cars participating. When they would close at night, the last person would leave money for the first person the next morning. In all, it totaled $10,000 in sales. That's kindness. Then there are random acts of kindness captured in one of my favorite magazines, Reader's Digest. Miranda McLean in Brutus, Michigan, writes, My neighbor Jim had trouble deciding if he wanted to retire from the construction field until he ran into a younger man he had worked with previously. The young man had a wife and three children and was finding it difficult to make ends meet since he hadn't worked in some time. The next morning, Jim went to the union office and submitted his retirement uh, paperwork. As for his replacement, he gave them the name of the young man. That was six years ago, and that young husband and father has been employed ever since. From Maryland Atterbury in Spokane Valley, Washington, driving home in a blizzard, I noticed a vehicle trailing close behind me. Suddenly, my tire blew. I pulled off the road, and so did the other car. A man jumped out from behind the wheel and without hesitation changed the flat. He said I was going to get off two miles back, but I didn't think that tire looked good. That's kindness. 
Robert DiVincenzo, a winner of a record 229 professional golf tournaments worldwide during his career, once won a tournament and after receiving the check and smiling for the cameras, went to the clubhouse and prepared to leave. He walked alone to his car in the parking lot when he was approached by a young woman. She congratulated him on his victory and then told him that her child was seriously ill and near death. She did not know how she could pay the doctor's bills and hospital expenses. DiVincenzo was touched by her, by her story, and he took out a pen and endorsed his winning check to the woman. Make some good days for the baby, he said, as he pressed the check into her hand. The next week, he was having lunch at a country club when a PGA official came to his table. Some of the boys told me you met a young woman in the parking lot last week after you won that tournament. DiVincenzo nodded. Well, said the official, I have news for you. She's a phony. She has no sick baby. She fleeced you, my friend. You mean there's no baby who is dying? Asked Vincenzo. That's right, answered the man. DiVincenzo replied, that's the best news I've heard all week. There's another level of kindness, that which is demonstrated by God. In the New Testament, the Greek word krestotes is often translated as kindness. And more often than not, it's describing the kindness of our Heavenly Father. In Titus, Paul writes, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Can I get a witness? We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the Christotes, the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Kindness of God that transforms the most hopelessly corrupted is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Romans chapter 2, Paul writes, Do you show contempt for the riches of God's Christotes, kindness, his forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's Christotes is intended to lead you to repentance? God could condemn us. He could shake his finger at us and tell us you're hopelessly lost and I'm not going to do anything about it. But instead, he shows us kindness which leads us to repentance, which changes our mind and turns us around and brings us back home. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is Christotes translated easy in this case, and my burden is light. God's kindness invites us to submit ourselves to him in such a gentle and winsome way that it overcomes our stubbornness. Isn't that kind?
kindness a wonderful thing? In Ephesians chapter 4, be Christotes, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. There's a parallelism going on between those phrases. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And the second phrase, forgiving each other just as Christ, as in Christ God forgave you. In other words, forgiveness is an expression of kindness. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies... Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is Christotes. The Lord is good. God's kindness invites us to grow up in our salvation. Then from Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is Christotes, to the ungrateful and wicked. The phrase, children of the Most High, there, is a way of describing the fact that God's children bear a resemblance to him. God has been kind to us, and as we are kind to one another, we show that same godlike quality. Of course, God's kindness is personified most beautifully in the life and the stories of Jesus, the incarnation of God. From Luke chapter 7, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus, who can read minds and hear what people are muttering to themselves, answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii is a day's wage. 500 days wages he, one man owed, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet yet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. 
Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. In his kindness, God forgives our sins. From Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after them, or look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. God's kindness even overcomes long-standing prejudices, doesn't it? From John chapter 8, At dawn Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. An extraordinary demonstration of God's kindness in the face of flagrant sinfulness. And we're not talking just of a woman caught in adultery. We're talking about self-righteous Pharisees and teachers of the law. Kindness to them as well. Acts chapter 12 and 13 describe the missionary partnership of Barnabas and Paul, which included planting churches in the province of Galatia, to whom Paul would write this Galatians letter that contains the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Young John Mark from Jerusalem joined them as a helper on that missionary trip. But for some reason, when they got to Pamphylia in Asia Minor, John Mark left and returned to Jerusalem. 
Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are going. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Barnabas and his kindness salvaged the career of John Mark, didn't he? We know John Mark to be the author of the Gospel of Mark. It's a good thing there was some kindness shown there, wasn't there? The kindness we see in our ordinary lives, the random acts of kindness at the McDonald's drive-thru, all of that kindness is inspired by God's kindness, isn't it? There would be no kindness without the kindness of God. And the remarkable thing about these random acts of kindness and the God's acts of kindness is that they are most often seem, seen when they are expressed to people who don't deserve it. Would kindness be kindness if it wasn't expressed to somebody who didn't deserve it? The person that's ordering 18 Big Macs behind you doesn't deserve for you to pick up the bill when all you had was a milkshake. <laughs> the person who has sinned against you doesn't deserve the kindness of forgiveness, do they? What makes kindness so extraordinary, I mean, certainly the extraordinary kindness of God, is that we don't deserve it. And yet God pours that out in our lives lavishly. As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. When God's spirit is at work in the children of God, kindness becomes the evidence that a person has grown to the point where they can be thoughtful of the needs of others instead of being preoccupied with their own needs. They've grown to the point where they no longer believe that people only get what they deserve. They've grown to the place where they're willing to be lavishly kind whether they deserve it or not. One final story that shows God's kindness personified. It's an ancient story, yet as contemporary as this morning's headlines. A church historian describes how Christians in ancient Turkey, this Asia Minor where the letter to the Galatians was written, Christians in ancient Turkey would react when their town was struck by a plague. The rich, the well-to-do, and particularly the doctors would gather up family and possessions and leave town. They would flee to the hills to fresher and less polluted air or to a friend or family in town some distance away. But the Christians, being often among the poorest and many of them slaves, would stay and nurse people 
including those who were neither Christians, nor their own family members, nor in any other way obviously connected to them. Sometimes such people got well again. Sometimes Christians would themselves catch the disease and die from it. But the point was made graphically and unmistakably. Nobody had ever thought of living like that before. This was a different way of being human, a way inspired by and empowered by the kindness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We conclude our service today sharing communion. You'll be invited to come to the table, and that's a very significant action. God took the first step to demonstrate his kindness to us, didn't he? While we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. God came to us with his outstretched hand of kindness. Our invitation to come forward to receive communion this morning is a strong comment on our part that we are willing to stand up, to step out, to respond to God's offer. We're willing to step away from the crowds and say, I want that kindness in my own life. I need that kindness in my own heart. Communion is a reminder of the extraordinary kindness of God demonstrated by Christ dying on the cross while we were still sinners. It's the ultimate personification of kindness. And so this morning as we come, let's come with hearts that are committed to following in the ways of God. If God was kind to me, I want to be kind to you. If God has forgiven me, I am enabled to forgive you. If God gave me what I did not deserve, then I want to give you what you don't deserve. That's what we're saying as we're participating in this sacrament this morning. I would ask that once the four servers come to the front, one in front of each of these four sections of seating, that you would leave your seats to your right, come down the aisle, come across the front, take the cups. The cups are stacked. The bottom cup has the wafer in it. The top cup has the juice in it. Just pick up one stack, return to your seats. Once we've all been served, we'll share it together. Denise is going to be in front of this section, and in a little tray in the middle of her larger tray are some gluten-free wafers. So if, you're, if you need gluten-free, come down this aisle and come receive it from Denise there. There are 16 uh, cups in each of, stacks of cups in each of the trays. If, if your section has more than six people, 16 no, people, you think you're, we're okay? Okay, you might need to go to another, another trade to, to find that. As you're coming down the aisles, remember to maintain spacing between family units and then return to your seats through the aisle on, on your left. Does that all make sense? Yes. We, so we can do this, sense. right? We're big boys and girls and we follow instructions well, right?
I would invite the four servers to come forward. You should hand them their gloves first, David. Take a set of gloves from the stack of gloves there. If you have a mask with you, be courteous to wear it as you come down to receive your elements. to us expressed in the death of Christ on the cross and the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday morning by the power of God that has the power to change our lives as well. Father, as we partake in these elements, we are inviting you to make the kindness of God a reality in our lives.